the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We can help your company and your employees look forward to tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times business podcast. This is Wednesday, June 1st. I'm Kieran Hancock. And on this week's show, we'll be looking at the implications of the arrest this week of two individuals connected with the sale of a property portfolio by NAMA in Northern Ireland in 2014. Later, we'll talk to Kira O'Brien about how Amazon and Deloitte plan to create hundreds of new tech jobs in Ireland. And don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes, and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash business. But first to Northern Ireland. And the latest twist in the saga surrounding the sale by NAMA of a 1.6 billion euro property portfolio in Northern Ireland to US Group Cerberus two years ago. Two arrests were made and counted down on Tuesday by the UK's National Crime Agency. And joining me in the studio to explain the significance of all of this are Irish Times reporter Barry O'Halloran and Harry McGee of our political staff. Gentlemen, you're very welcome to the podcast. Uh, Barry, we might start with you. This is a, a complex story uh, and it's fair to say it's taken a few twists and turns in the past year or so. So you might just outline the background for us, first of all. Okay, well, the, the, this dates back to the sale of uh, NAMA's Northern Ireland loan book, which was called Project Eagle. They sold it, NAMA sold it to uh, a Cerberus, US company, for $1.6 billion. That was all. Was that the face value of it or was that the price they achieved? That was the price they achieved. The face value of it, I think, uh, the power loans, I think, were, were worth somewhere in the region of $7 billion or, or something like that. Anyway, uh, it, was the, it was the biggest deal done in Northern Ireland. Um, it was one of the biggest deals done in Ireland. And um, it was a very significant one for Cerberus, the buyer. And it essentially cleaned out NAMA from Northern Ireland. It was it, a job lot sale. Of all its its assets, loans in Northern Ireland, it was exactly yeah, um, and it, subsequent to that, it emerged that uh, the managing partner of uh, Belfast law firm Tunes, which had advised Cerberus, transferred six million sterling in fees from the deal uh, to a, an Isle of Man account that he controlled without uh, Tunes' knowledge. It has to be said, um, the managing partner Ian Coulter subsequently resigned. That, that that all happened at the beginning of last year. Everything then went quiet, but a row blew up around this in the Doyle midway through last year. And that, if you like, reopened the wound. Um, what emerged from that was that Frank Cushnan, a former advisor to NAMA, and he was a member of the Northern Ireland Advisory Committee, um, had been involved. He had been providing advice to another bidder, PIMCO, um, along with Tunes and another law firm called Brown Rudnick. When NAMA found this out, PIMCO left the process. Um, Tewins and Brown Rudnick switched to Cerberus and Frank Cushnan supposedly dropped out of the picture. And NAMA was assured that Cushnan had dropped out of the picture until Cushnan himself admitted when he was being secretly recorded by the BBC uh, quite recently that the six million that went to the Isle of Man was actually intended for six him. Six million pounds. Six million Sterling. pounds was actually intended for him. Now... The, the row that broke out last summer led to two things. First, uh, a stormant parliamentary investigation. And second, and more importantly, an investigation by the United Kingdom National Crime Agency, who are the people who actually carried out uh, the arrests in County Down yesterday. 
Right, okay. So tell us about these arrests. What do we know about them? Okay, it was uh, two individuals in County Down. They were arrested. Unnamed so far. Unnamed so far. They have been named in some quarters and there's a lot of talk as to who they are. For legal reasons, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. There is a constituency of people from whom those two could be drawn and lots of people know who that constituency is. I think that's probably probably as far as we can go. There were searches carried out in premises in County Down yesterday and two arrests were made. Uh, by the National Crime Agency. The agency had the option of holding these people for 24 hours. Uh, it released them earlier on today, uh, um, according to the, the latest reports. You, you can draw anything you want from that, but I think the, 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 the significant thing, the fact that there's been arrests after effectively a 10-month criminal investigation tells you that something is going on. It tells you that the, the police force in question believes that something is going on. Interesting that it was the National Crime Agency and not the PSNI that arrested these people. Well, I, I think that's primarily because the National Crime Agency has an expertise in the area of fraud and financial crime, and it was felt that this was the best agency to, to carry this out. All right. Harry, fair to say that Wexford TD Mick Wallace uh, was responsible for opening up this whole can of worms in relation to the sale of uh, Project Eagle. What's he been saying about the latest developments? Well, um, it, it, Mick Wallace was indeed the, the person who uh, first uh, highlighted this issue and Sinn Féin have done cer- cert- a certain amount of the running on it uh, as well. And Wallace has been uh, pressing for an inquiry to take place in the South. And the, the, the attitude of the government is that um, it's a northern problem, essentially. Joan Burton said as much when she was uh, tarnished to and it's not really uh, uh, an issue to be uh, investigated in the South. Uh, he has been calling for a commission of investigation and for other types of investigation as and well. Sinn Féin called for that yesterday, didn't they? They, they did. Uh, Jerry Adams uh, called for that yesterday and all of their calls have been rebuffed uh, so far. The defence that has been proffered by uh, Antisha Gendikeni uh, is that NAMA has come into the Public Accounts Committee and has given uh, a full account of itself, as has the Minister for Finance, Michael Noonan. That seems to be fine on the surface, but when you start scratching uh, underneath that, you find that there are huge, big absences. For, for one, when NAMO was formed, it became the biggest property developer in the state. A lot of people who had been previously working in the commercial world uh, suddenly became kind of... Uh, De facto, uh, I think I think, think Nama might say because I've dealt with Nama mm. a few times myself, mm. and they, they often pick me up on this. They might say that they they control uh, loans and assets. They don't necessarily develop um, the, these, you know. And some they sell. Some they might give money to uh, to the property developer to develop themselves mm. and then sell it, etc. But they don't like being called a, a property developer. Yeah, but in, in in essence, that's I mean they've been described as such. But yeah. they, they do control assets and they also dispose of assets. And their job is to to recover the assets, uh, recover the value of the assets, and get the the best value possible uh, for for the state. And it's a commercial uh, it's a commercial transaction. Now the the difficulty is that. Um, the, the agency hasn't been very transparent when you can, can compare it with other state agencies and the the uh, the scrutiny uh, to which other uh, uh, agencies are subject to. Uh, NAMA, and some of the reasons are valid reasons, there are reasons to do with kind of commercial sensitivities and considerations. But the difficulty is that uh, it's been very difficult uh, to find out um, uh, exactly uh, what role NAMA has played in all of this. And we've had a scandal. We Essentially, we, we've had the sell-off of Project Eagle, which is the entire portfolio that NAMA had in the north, uh, to uh, Cerberus. And a huge uh, discount. 
at, at a huge discount. I think the, the, the nominal value was over four billion and it was sold for, for, for less than two billion. I think about, about 1.5 to 1.8 billion as far as, mem- as, far as my, my, my memory goes. Uh, but the difficulty is that you've had investigations launched in, in, in the north and NAMA denying that anything that any impropriety has happened in the north. And there is some, or in the south, some evidence has come to light in recent months and, and foot of that secret recording that Barry highlighted that was uh, done by, the BBC, by BBC, yeah. uh, which, which showed that there must be uh, a, a, a southern component to it. And so far, uh, the Taoiseach and uh, NAMA have rebuffed all uh, requests yeah. for an internal inquiry. And the difficulty is when they do go in before the PAC or when the Minister for Finance uh, issue statements. They're, the statements are of a general nature. And when you start looking for specific details uh, in relation to transactions or in relation to the role played by individuals, that becomes much more difficult to ascertain. And for a, a example, um, the NAMA did insist uh, that Frank Kushnahan uh, wasn't privy to any uh, commercially sensitive, sensitive uh, information in relation to any of the uh, ongoing sales I- in the north and evidence has come to light in the inter- in the interim uh, which seems to contradict that to a certain extent so all of that needs great, great, I think that can be contradicted quite strongly because we know that that Cushnahan mm. did have a relationship with some of the larger businesses mm. um, I suppose Barry before borrowers. we delve into that we should just yeah. say uh, there's nobody here from NAMA to speak for them, yeah. but uh, we should just say that NAMA has uh, denied any impropriety on, on its side of the deal. They say yeah. this is a problem that happened after um, they sold the assets. Yeah, they, they've, they've always maintained that, look, this is at the purchaser side. Um, this has nothing to do with us. We we carried out uh, a process. We the, the assets were openly marketed. Uh, the process was conducted to the highest standards. Uh, they had advisors. And uh, when the question mark around PIMCO arose, they went back to the other bidders and said... We want to make sure that nobody connected with us um, uh, is employed by you in any capacity as advisor or anything else. And they got that confirmation to their own satisfaction. So they say that they they followed all the steps. Um, And they also point out that it was they who told PIMCO, you have to drop out of this. And it, um, and that was their immediate, that was their reaction when they, they when they heard that Kushnan was um, involved in the PIMCO bid, bid, which he should not have been. Yeah, all right. Just go back to McWallace yeah. for a moment because he's had some lengthy contacts. I believe with the National Crime Agency. Uh, I read uh, today that he spent two hours in a meeting with them in, in March. But um, also in terms of the PAC, I mean, he didn't cooperate with the PAC uh, inquiry that time, did he? No, he didn't. And I think that he should have really. He he said that he didn't have any uh, faith in the in the PAC that it wouldn't have the power or wouldn't have the wherewithal. Uh, to get to the bottom uh, of uh, the the story, and maybe perhaps in a way he was right because the, the powers of the PAC are limited. Uh, NAMA has a certain amount; uh, it has obligations to disclose uh, a certain amount of things, but because of commercial sensitivities, it, it doesn't really have to disclose everything. And um, what Mick Wallace wants essentially are all the details of all the transactions uh, to be made public, and the PAC wouldn't really have the arsenal in place uh, to do that. So that's why... Well, sorry, Mick- isn't the whole question that he actually has more details that he hasn't revealed yet? I mean, isn't that the whole thing? But that is, yeah. He, he says that he has... Uh, there's, somebody obviously went to him and somebody uh, gave him uh, rhyme and reason, gave him all the details okay. of, of the transaction. So he claims 
and he claims that, that he, he is only prepared to, to disclose them. And do we have any sense that he's given this information to the National Crime Agency in the UK? Uh, I, I, that I'm not sure. He did say that he met them for, for two hours, but um, he, he didn't disclose as to whether he gave uh, any additional information to the National Crime Agency or whether he was just, it was just a kind of information se- session where they were briefing him. Right. Barry, do we have any sense of whether there might be more arrests or where this investigation goes from here? Uh, there's certainly been talk today that there, there may be more arrests, but that's that's not been confirmed by anybody, uh, least of all the people doing the arresting who are really the only people who can confirm this sort of thing. Um, I feel that this, I definitely feel that the, that yesterday's events mark a step change, and I think that more is, is going to come out. And I think there's still, as Harry has pointed out, and I think I pointed out myself, there's still a lot of questions that, that remain unanswered. Yeah. And I think NAMA will have to answer some right. of them. And what does what, what uh, Cerberus have to say about all of this? Because they purchased the assets. Well, Cerberus have maintained that they they uh, acted in, a, in, a, in an above board fashion the whole way through and to the highest standards and demanded that uh, their advisors and employees do the same. They obviously didn't comment on events yesterday. And Thuins? Uh, Where are we after them? What's, what's their latest public statement on this? Well, the two ones haven't commented either at this stage. Um, they've always maintained that they knew nothing about the, the transfer of the money to the other man and that that money was just simply fees um, that they were paid for carrying out uh, legal work, and, which is something that they do as, as a law firm. Yeah, huge sums of money, though. I mean, uh, for millions of, Euro, of pounds to find their way into an Isle of Man account uh, seems peculiar. It does seem peculiar and the fees are very, very large because, I mean, you, you have to remember that the Ultimately, that um, they only worked for Cerberus for a couple of weeks uh, before the deal was done, um, and and for a few weeks after the deal was done. So you you're talking about seven million for two months' work, but mm. the, the the argument there is well, that's tied to the overall value of the deal, and it's it's a percentage, um, and and that's how that is normal commercial practice, which it is in some cases, but still, it's a it's a mind-boggling sum of money for two yeah. months' work. Harry Endicott running a minority government now at this stage in the Dáil. When this scandal blew up, he had he was leading a. Uh, a government with a very large majority in coalition with uh, the Labour Party. Is he going to be able to dodge this call for a commission of inquiry? Kieran, uh, uh, minority, majority, I don't think it makes all that much difference. The, the kind of the punches pilot um, attitude that uh, the Taoiseach uh, and his colleagues in government have maintained for the past year uh, cannot be sustained in my view. And I think that sooner rather than later, um, there would have to be some form of an inquiry, probably a commission of investigation or something uh, that that that's equivalent to that because the another the, one another one I, mean, I know the yeah IBRC but the, the, the difficulty is that into. NAMA has said nothing to do with us Gov in mm. the south but there is some evidence that points that that NAMA does have questions to be asked there are certain certainly issues that that urgently need to be clarified in relation to all the nexus of connections in relation to all the transactions that took place and the only way in which it could be properly done uh, would be with a with an investigation or an inquiry uh, that would have more. Uh, teeth uh, than the Public Accounts Committee. Now, I, I disagree with Mick Wallace not going into the PAC. I think he, as a parliamentarian, uh, he, he should give due respect to parliamentary inquiries. But at the same time, he was making a valid point in relation to the limitation of its powers. Right. And surely a commission of investigation uh, into a matter such as this will have many of the same problems that the IBRC Commission uh, has found, for example, around customer confidentiality and, you know, privilege and so on. Uh, and commercial sensitivities. I think it will. That's, yeah. one, that's one of the difficulties and that, that will be a, a stumbler uh, that they might have difficulty yeah. overcoming. Yeah. And I mean, the public mightn't thank them for another yet another commission they, that's going to cost yet more millions. They, they, they never do. But commissions of investigation, which tend to be private uh, in terms of the, the hearing phase, 
uh, tend to be uh, way more cost effective than, say, tribunals of inquiry. But mm. unfortunately, once um, lawyers enter the fray, as we all uh, know, uh, the meter on the taxi starts racking up very quickly indeed. Yeah, this is a, this is a story that's not going to go away, Barry, I think it's fair to say. Oh, I think it's very fair to say. It's been running for 10 months and there's definitely another 10 months, months in it at least. Okay, Hardy McGee, Barry Halloran, thank you for joining us. We'll take a short break there now and we'll return with news of additional jobs in the tech sector with Irish Times reporter Kira O'Brien. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always-on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704-1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life, September 2014. Okay, welcome back. Uh, We're now going to focus on some job news that has emerged this week. Both Amazon and Deloitte announcing some high-tech jobs. And joining me in studio is Kira O'Brien, the Irish Times resident technology expert. Uh, Kira, we'll start with Amazon. You were writing about this earlier in the week. They've announced uh, 500 new jobs for Dublin. Tell us what it's all about. Basically, Amazon is going to be expanding its footprint in Dublin. It's part of a wider uh, wider expansion within Europe. They're adding a few thousand new jobs in Europe. Ireland is getting 500 of those. They're going to be located in Dublin because that's where um, Amazon's technical hub is. They have some... Is this Amazon Web Services? It's Amazon Web Services and Amazon Retail. Basically, there's going to be people supporting both uh, the idea is that obviously Amazon has a fairly good reputation for customer service. They want to keep that up. Therefore, they need more technical staff. And a lot of these jobs, actually, the, the vast majority of these jobs are high tech. So you're looking at security engineers, you're looking at development engineers, software engineers. So these are decent jobs that people with a few years experience, you know, you're not talking about people just straight out of college. They're looking for qualifications, but they're also looking for, say, three, four, five, six, in some cases, eight years experience in a particular field. They would be well paid, yes. And it's also, it's encouraging to see because obviously there is this perception, there was this perception for a long time that Ireland just did localisation. So you would get a, a localisation and customer service and that's not actually the case anymore. You have a fairly decent uh, engineering kind of function in Ireland in, in companies like Google. I mean, Microsoft, there was people involved in certain aspects of, say, developing Windows 8, like the on-screen keyboard, stuff like that was developed in Ireland. So we're, we now have a reputation, I suppose, where you can get these, you can get the staff and that's been I suppose one of the problems um, that we were talking about for a long time was the skills gap. Now, obviously, at this stage, it's not as bad. There's obviously that they need to bring people in from outside of Ireland if possible, if, if, if the jobs can't be filled here. But Amazon said to me... Uh, over the phone that basically they've never they haven't had any problems with filling jobs in the local market they've had a lot of success with the local market which is good news for So us. these are 500 jobs that are likely to be filled by people already in Ireland as so opposed to foreign nationals having to be brought into Ireland to fill them that's, that's, the, that's my understanding of it that they would look okay. to fill locally first obviously if they can't find people with the relevant experience and qualifications they will mm. look further afield and they have done that in the past So Now Amazon set up in Ireland first in 2004 give us a, an idea of the breadth of their operation here at the minute Well at the moment they employ about 1,700 people um, a couple of years ago I think it was 2014 they, they announced 300 new jobs and they filled For those Dublin fairly well, rapidly yes this is it's basically split between Dublin and Cork a lot of their customer service function is done down in Cork but they have 1,700 people in total at the 
moment. They're already starting to recruit for these new jobs. So it's likely that, you know, you will see these jobs are filled quite rapidly. Uh, going by their last uh, their their last recruitment drive, they said they would create them over a couple of years and it was far, far sooner than that. Right. Did they give you a sense that this might just be the beginning of, of yet further expansion down the road? I did ask. They obviously won't be drawn on that because there's a lot of things that depends on depends on the business. But the, they, they did say that if the business continues to grow the way it is growing, I mean, further expansion is, is, is on the cards. Yeah, I suppose uh, Amazon is known as a disruptor for book retailers primarily, um, and they've also sold online through Kindle and, and so forth. But there, there's been a lot of talk about them getting into the delivery business and drones and, and so forth. Any any sense of where we're going with that? Uh, well, see, the drones thing is, it can, can be problematic because obviously there's a lot of regulations that you have to, to abide by. I mean, we've seen here recently um, the aviation authorities have laid out regulations mm. even for people who have hobby drones. So if you have a drone over a certain weight, it has to be registered. If you want to fly commercially, you have to have a commercial permit. Um, and while it's great to think that our Amazon packages will be delivered by drones next year, that's probably not going to happen. Right, OK. Now, there was also an announcement by Deloitte um, this week. Tell me about that. The announcement that they're going to uh, open a blockchain development lab. So yeah, in, blockchain is something I've heard a lot about. I'm not really sure what it's all about. Maybe you can explain this to us. Yeah, blockchain, it's, it's a weird thing. People automatically associate it with Bitcoin, but blockchain is actually the technology that underlies Bitcoin. Uh, so what it is, is in a simplest form, I suppose it's a distributed database, distributed ledger system. So instead of having one central database, you have it spread, you have copies of it on a network of trusted computers. So you make a change on one and it's, it's, I suppose it's sent out to all of them. Um, the idea is that you don't need a central authority overseeing everything. It's less likely to be susceptible to fraud because you have to have a copy on each of these. All these these changes are verified and it has to be verified properly for it to be implemented throughout the whole network. So for something like Bitcoin, it meant if you made a transaction, it would then be copied to all copies of the Bitcoin ledger. Mm. And that way then there's not one database that can be corrupted, can be hacked or can be manipulated. How many jobs are we talking about? 50. 50, right, okay. It's an interesting, it is an interesting thing because people are looking more and more at the at blockchain for, for different things. You know, it's basically because it's... Um, it's a bit independent, you know, it's it's giving people back, uh, giving the power back to smaller people as opposed to having one mammoth organisation overseeing everything. Uh, there's talk of, of using it, say, for property. Um, there's companies like ABN are looking at it you know, for financial transactions. It's at an early stage at the moment, but stuff like this, uh, the Deloitte initiative will, I suppose, will help advance that. Kira, does this give us an indication perhaps that uh, there's a lot of activity going on with Bitcoin in Ireland or do we know? Well, Bitcoin Bitcoin had a, a bit of a, a surge of publicity a while back. Um, it's, a, it's a hard one to say. I mean, there was a lot of talk about using it in stores. There's Bitcoin uh, ATMs that kind of sprang up and it's kind of gone a bit quiet for mainstream people. I mean, there are people using Bitcoin for, for transactions that, you know, they just wouldn't hit the, the headlines on it. I suppose one of the most recent ones was the um, the Trinity students that created a poker site that's based on blockchain, but also uses Bitcoin as payments. And the, the appeal of that is that you don't have to pay fees. You know, with Bitcoin, it's a, it's peer-to-peer transactions. So you don't have to go through, say, the likes of Visa or MasterCard or PayPal, and you don't have to pay their fees. It's, uh, it's a bit more independent than, say, having to rely on payment processors. You don't have to have that third-party verification, this third-party and looking over everything and saying, yes, that's an approved transaction. Um, it's all done through this distributed ledger, this distributed database. 
Yeah, and going back to the Amazon jobs, I guess it's good news in the sense that it's a it's a signal from the company that they're going to be here for the medium to long term. I know there are some concerns uh, out there that some commentators have that maybe companies like Twitter and LinkedIn that have stumbled in, in the past 12 months or so that, you know, maybe they're not going to be here in the medium to long term, but it looks as if Amazon will be. Well, Amazon, uh, around 2014, they put a figure on how much they've invested in Ireland to date, and it was that uh, was one and a half billion. Euro. Now they didn't tell me they didn't have an, an updated figure what this job will, will bring what this job's round will bring that up to, but it's a lot of money. And same with say, the likes of Microsoft, Intel, um, Google. They've all invested an awful lot here. Um, I suppose people look at companies like Twitter and, and LinkedIn, and they're fairly new. They're the kind of the born on the web companies, and people don't. I suppose at the start, people didn't really see how Twitter was going to make money. Now they're kind of looking at their their uh, user figures and thinking, well, how can they grow? Because obviously they're lagging far behind Facebook. It's also here. Um, but I think that, look, even if Twitter, I'm not saying Twitter are, are going to up sticks and leave, but even if they do, what they, what they would leave behind is um, a very uh, well-trained workforce that can then go off and do other things. I mean, it, we saw happen, say, with PopCap, that people went off and created their own uh, their own games having worked in PopCap for X amount of years. And then when PopCap closed, you know, there was almost 100 people who were suddenly looking for work. They went out, like those the spin-outs that, that happen all the time. People leave companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter all the time and set up their own companies. Now, some of them, some of them will, will, mm. will do very well. Some of them won't, but that's just the nature of the startup beast. And do we know what level of sales Amazon have in the Irish market in, ter- in terms of retail? I wouldn't have an exact figure, but they well, most of their, their uh, sales would be done through Amazon UK anyway, with this Amazon UK in Ireland. Well, all good news, I guess. Uh, Kira O'Brien, thank you for joining us. Okay, that's it for this week from the Irish Times Business Podcast. My thanks to Barry O'Halloran, Harry McGee and Kira O'Brien for their contributions. Declan Conlon and John Casey produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. You can also follow the Irish Times Business Feed on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.